adventure calendar of Mr. Timothy Hope. A Christmas expedition in 24 letters. 10th December. My dear Lady Misericordia, I hope this letter finds you well. We haven't had any post since we boarded the train, but I think I'm safe in assuming that you have been having a lovely time gathered around the card table with Viscount Fox and not crammed into a luggage cart with a poached shark, which is what I have been doing. Yes, I'm afraid Baronet Oxshot is still determined to bring the shark's head for you. I'm not sure what for, perhaps as a reminder to never go on holiday with him. Anyway, the Professor has become interested in how what remains of the shark could be preserved, and as a consequence he has roped both Harry and I into helping him and Oxshot with their experiments. Sadly, given that Lord Daunt will permit neither Oxshot nor his shark out of the rear carriage, partly because of Oxshot's behaviour over the soup, and partly just because of the smell, we have had to join him in there. I have to say that when I decided that I was going to have an adventure, I did not imagine that adventure was going to consist of sitting in a freezing, rattling, rickety railway van with a pungent dead fish watching a member of the English aristocracy trying to stuff its head with straw and cleaning his fingernails with its teeth. And that was before the professor decided to try and pickle the shark meat and Harry and I had to spend a day splashing each other with various foul concoctions until we felt quite sick. Which is why I jumped at the Norwegian engineer's suggestion. He pointed out to me that on hunting trips, he and his friends would bury their catch in the snow, using the cold to keep it fresh. It seemed a perfectly sensible idea, at first. It was having both Oxshot and the professor talking to me at the same time. It bewildered me and made me agree to things I shouldn't have. Things like being tied to the roof of a moving train while holding a smelly, headless shark in the air. The professor was convinced that having cold air rushing over the shark would dry it as well as freeze it. But while I certainly froze, it did nothing to dry out my nose, which has been running ever since. Excuse me. As for the shark, we shall never know, as my hands got so numb with the cold that I dropped it, and it bounced away from the rumbling train down a ravine, there to lie in the quiet, untouched snow, and really confuse whoever finds it. For all that, though, there was something rather wonderful about lying there on top of the swaying, chuntering train, especially without the shark. The cool, clean air rushing past. The sky above was an endless, peaceful blue, with the steam from the engine billowing out about us, and only perfect little white clouds puffing gently by above, while all around great snow-capped mountains reared past, austere and rugged, one after the other their sides wrapped up in shaggy, dark, green fir forests. The air here is so clear that it seems to magnify everything, to make everything so close and exact. A distant tree bending out over the sheer drop of a cliff face, a pinnacle of snow rearing out of the woods. I felt like I could just reach out and touch them. And then Oxshot started shouting about his shark, and I was allowed to come down again and get warm in the restaurant car. But more important than the professor's experiments and Oxshot's sea life is that we have at last crossed the Arctic Circle. North is no longer a direction. It is where we are. We all got together last night in the saloon car to celebrate. To you, my lady, a cramped railway carriage lumbering through a freezing night at the top of the world probably does not seem like a very likely place for a party. But with a little effort, great things can be achieved. A little effort and, as it turns out, rather too much Norwegian strong drink. 
The Norwegians, it turns out, know a thing or two about parties and strange places, and were able to contribute more than a little spirit of all possible kinds. The Norwegians, and in fact Oxshott, who decided that he wanted a ceremony to match the one he underwent when he crossed the equator for the first time. The Professor and Lord Daunt were excused. The Professor because he has crossed the Arctic Circle before, apparently, and your father because nobody dared to ask him. But the rest of us were made to sit in a bucket of snow and pay homage to the Professor in the guise of the great polar bear. It probably all seems terribly silly to you. But I must say that the Professor does a tolerably good bear. And so, my lady, a little giddy from my encounter with Professor Bear, and a rather squashed and over-enthusiastic jig with Harry, and a lot giddy from the Norwegian spirit, I'm going to crawl into my bed and dream of mountains and reindeer and polar bears and the incomparable, magical Arctic. Yours, gradually thawing out, Timothy Hope Esquire, tutor. The adventure calendar of Mr. Timothy Hope was written by Tobias Sturt and was read by John Millington and illustrated by Amanda Gray. The theme music was On a Christmas Morning by Prince's Orchestra from dawnofsound.com. Find out more at timothyhope.com. <laughs>